It's time for your Morning Jam weather, brought to you by WDBJ7. I'm meteorologist Brent Watts. Skies turn mostly sunny into the afternoon today. Highs around 70. Clear skies at a low of 49 tonight. Starting out with sunshine Friday, more clouds late in the day with a high of 72. We'll turn mostly cloudy Friday night with lows at 56 degrees. Saturday and Sunday, partly to mostly cloudy if it's a patchy drizzle and fog highs at 73. Currently 51 degrees in Salem, 53 degrees in Roanoke, 50 in Bedford, 47 in Lynchburg. And so I, I got an email on March 22nd and it actually came from Jerry. It was a picture of us that we took at the Fontainebleau Hotel. It was a picture with me and Becky and then one with Jerry. He sent the email saying Becky wanted me to send this to you. Immediately I was like, who? And she's like, oh, Jerry followed. She she recognized the name. She's like, isn't that like the famous uh, pastor or preacher? Wait a minute. Hold on. This cannot be the same people that I'm thinking about right now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it was. Uh, we're here talking with Billy Corbin. He is the director of God Forbid. It came out on Hulu on November first. Good morning, Billy. Good morning. So, um, a couple of questions for you to kind of get started for people who aren't familiar with you uh, tell us a little bit about your background some of the other work that you've done sure i'm a documentary filmmaker based out of uh miami beach uh we've produced such documentaries over the last 20 years as uh cocaine cowboys the espn 30 for 30s the the u the u part two uh and broke as well as uh screwball on uh, uh netflix mm-hmm. about the uh steroid scandal involving alex rodriguez and uh, Cocaine Cowboys, the Kings of Miami, also streaming on Netflix. So why this story? Well, for starters, uh, it has a Miami connection, has a great many stories, uh, always seem to have a Florida connection. Uh, we say the uh, Florida of today is the uh, the America of tomorrow. So uh, so sorry, everybody, about that. But, oh. <laughs> uh, that in, <laughs> unfortunately, <laughs> appears true. There's these, I was going to say, a lot, of, a lot of our crazy stories. stories come out of Florida, for yeah, sure. Absolutely. Yes, yes. Florida man often leads them off, those headlines. Exactly. And, um, yeah. and a great many of those stories have what, what we would call perhaps a butterfly effect, where you know a butterfly flaps its wings in, uh, in Miami, um, or perhaps there's a unique uh, relationship uh, dynamic, as is uh, this case, and it seems to change uh, the course of history uh, uh, in, in many ways. And so we were intrigued uh, by that possibility. So, of course, we live in the, in the city, um, where the much of your story takes place, Lynchburg, Virginia, and um, so many of us know uh, a lot of behind-the-scenes facts about Liberty and uh, and and all of this, and, and many of us are watching the documentary because we want to know if it's true. We want to know mm-hmm. what's true and what's not true. You've got some irrefutable evidence, certainly. Uh, in this film, as far as the relationship between Giancarlo and and Becky Falwell, don't you? Yeah, and I mean, we, we kind of put Giancarlo through the ringer in addition to days and days of interviews. Uh, we spent a great many months uh, obtaining from him corroboration, copious amounts of text messages, emails, photographs, and even some uh, video evidence uh, being seen for the first time, excerpted in the documentary, I don't want to spoil it, but it was it was for me some of the most compelling evidence uh, 
of, of really the totality of what he was saying, uh, both the, the length of time that the relationship took place, allegedly over, over seven years, and, and more, more significantly, the, and, and the question everybody has is, what was Jerry Falwell Jr.'s uh, in, involvement in this dynamic? Right. Well, uh, like I say, I think Marco and I both agree there was some irrefutable evidence about that relationship mm-hmm. and the inappropriateness of that relationship right uh we did have some callers call in earlier that thought jean carlos got off a little easy um kind of portrays himself as the little lost lamb being led astray uh i don't know that that's completely accurate (laughs) (laughs) no i don't think that's completely accurate either i don't i think jean carlo would disagree as well you know he felt going into this uh, relationship that it was um, he was 20 years old but he was a consenting adult he thought he knew what he was getting himself into i think he maybe perhaps uh, got in a little bit over his head but his sister had an interesting um, yes. comparison yeah. she um, didn't hold back she, she, no not at all and, and in fact there's something that, that didn't make the final cut of the doc is a lot of the material unfortunately didn't because of the you know the, the brief running time that we had some of sometimes you have a documentary at six to ten hours we had you know less than less than two, but she compared the situation to that of Monica Lewinsky, which I found very compelling because here again you have a consenting adult, but a a real disparity in terms of the power dynamic and a situation where, you know, once you come forward, you have a powerful couple in a position really to destroy your reputation and to crush you. And and in that case, as in this case, a job that they had um, in their young life for only one year, they are forever branded as. In Mm -hmm. in Monica Lewinsky's case, the intern, and in Giancarlo's case, we all know him as the pool boy. Right, forevermore, the the pool boy That's right. uh, in this story. I do do know what you're saying, and I do agree. At at 20, um, and as he pointed out at one point, that he was just a heavily hormone-driven 20-year-old, and I think there's a lot of, of... Men, he didn't put it that way, but uh, I think there are a lot of young men who would definitely, you know, yeah. fall in line for that. But seven years is a long time to keep this low. And even if you're not a Christian, uh, this behavior is questionable to say the least. Well, coming coming from Miami, it's kind of a day that ends in why. Um, <laughs> I don't, I don't believe that I would have made the same decisions that Giancarlo. Uh, made under these circumstances. In fact, his sister, quite clearly in the documentary, calls him <laughs> foolish repeatedly. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, she does. And and I I think he would agree now. Um, but I, you know, he he also got drawn into this uh, and then wound up uh, as business partners with the Falwells in a, in a multi-million dollar uh, piece of uh, commercial property in uh, in South Beach. And so he was very much drawn into a world of power and privilege, and he refers to it as intoxicating. He was oh, honest sure it was. That he thought yeah. Yeah, there was an opportunity for him here to rub shoulders with the most powerful people in the world in the Falwell's inner circle. All right, let's take a, let's take a break there, and let's play a little bit about the the Trump theme that you inserted here. Let's September 2012, Becky gives me a call saying, hey, do you want to meet Donald Trump? Because at the time, he wasn't who he is today. He wasn't running for president. He was just a star and apprentice. They knew that I liked Donald Trump, that I read his book, The Art of the Deal. My brother loved business and thought Donald Trump was great, and so he was like, yeah, absolutely. They were bringing him into a world that he couldn't even imagine. Real estate, politics, my future, everything is here. 
So um, he was very much had his head turned by the Trump factor. It's safe to say. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, Gian- Giancarlo was raised as a you know a, a Republican conservative kid. He went to Catholic school. Uh, down here in Miami by very conservative uh, parents. Um, he was an admirer of Donald Trump at the time. He had read uh, The Art of the Deal. He was excited to meet uh, Donald Trump at that time in 2012 and get his book uh, autographed. So this was very much a part of, of what was so seductive for him about about uh, about this world. And an interesting thing John Crowe told me is when he came to Liberty University, which he called one of the most beautiful campuses he'd ever seen uh, in his life, um, he started to feel for the people in that in that campus community um, because there seemed to be a real disconnect between students, faculty, and alumni, and let's say the you know <laughs> the leadership at the time under Jerry Falwell, just in terms of of the purity of uh, you know the, the sanctity of of the Gospels, and I think the mission of the institution. So let's talk about that for a minute. So you say he had uh, the, and he did call the campus beautiful, mm-hmm. uh, and he. And, but you're saying he felt for the, the the people of the university, and yet, the second part of your documentary really felt like a hit piece on Liberty University, the people who go there, uh, the Christians in this town. It really felt like it went to a different place. Uh, he talked about how there weren't many uh, people of color there, which I've been to many, many convocations there. Mm-hmm. Um, I wouldn't say that that's accurate at all. Um, why, why go in that direction? Well, I think that's the direction that the story uh, took us in. And first, I think it's important to remember that, that this is not a documentary about Christians or Christianity. It's a documentary about people who exploit Christians in Christianity for power and profit, which I think uh, Jerry Jr. at this point has been pretty candid about the fact that he was not uh, as religious as his father or his his brother who took over the Thomas Road Baptist Church. And so I think the idea that, that the school began to, to uh, wind up in Jerry Jr.'s mold rather than Jerry Sr.'s mold was, a, was, was accurate, um, both in the, the way in which he was invested in the capital uh, campaigns and improvements uh, of the property uh, to, to build that beautiful campus, but also in the way that I think he was trying to uh, impose certain morals and beliefs on the, the student body that perhaps went above and beyond uh, you know, what the mission of the institution was. Well, I, I will say that people who live here and who knew Jerry Sr., uh, n- knew that Jerry Jr. was nothing like no Jerry Sr. near nobody was fooled into thinking that Jerry Jr. was going to be uh, a, a carbon copy of his father. W- we all knew that, but I did feel like that part of your documentary went after Jerry Falwell Sr., which I didn't think was fair. Well, I think it told a pretty accurate. A history of the initial intentions behind um, opening schools that would eff- effectively resegregate the educational system after Brown versus the Board of Education. I think it accurately represented the call it the, the cynicism behind the move into politics and the demagoguery of abortion. Um, when you when you we interviewed Randall Balmer, evangelical pastor and religious historian, who talks about how. 
for five or six years after Roe versus Wade, while the Catholic community was extremely vocal uh, about it, there was serious dissension uh, amongst the evangelical uh, Christian community, um, many of whom believed, in, consistent with, with conservative small government values, that this decision should not involve uh, the government. And it wasn't until a series of market testing through various culture wars, of which Senior became very famous for, you know, the People versus Larry Flint, yep. you know, yeah, his, his crusade against pornography, against divorce, against uh, feminism, against the, uh, the gay and lesbian uh, community. Um, none of those things really, really stuck. Uh, along with the, the the segregation message, so ultimately um, it was determined by a group of conservative activists and uh, Jerry Falwell Sr. that abortion would become the issue that could galvanize voters. And to their credit, they were absolutely uh, correct. They were able to defeat a Sunday school, you know, Baptist teacher, uh, uh, an incumbent president, Jimmy Carter, and replace him with a divorced. Uh, B-movie actor uh, in Ronald Reagan, whose uh, whose campaign slogan, of course, was "Let's make America great again." Interesting. When we so talk about, B- I'm, I'm taking you're not a small government guy. Yeah, <laughs> probably. Oh, I'm I, I'm I'm very much a small government guy when it when it when it comes to uh, decisions and personal liberty and and bodily autonomy of of women and men alike. Hmm. Okay. So we talk about B-movie actors. Let's talk about Tom Arnold. I. Uh, I think you did. I think you did great on the documentary, but when you when when I saw him, you just you just lost all credibility. That was that was that was digging in. Yeah, pretty why deep. Tom Arnold? Yeah, oh man, that guy. Did he have? Yeah, well, I think that's a fair question. Yeah, <laughs> I, honestly, I do. Uh, but you know what? What was absurd about this story? And I think you know the story has a lot of absurd uh, elements. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, and not the least of which is that no one's looking to kink shame. The Falwells, I think they seem like a very fun people, you know, and we encourage people to come down to mm-hmm. Miami. This is our this is our economy. Come down, live your best life. So you, know, you can have, do. So you well, can. Well, cer- that, certainly uh, that that lifestyle fits Miami better than it does Lynchburg. Yeah. I can tell you'll you be, that you'll right now. You'll be doing a lot of documentaries on people if you do that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, like listen, come down. You know, have safe sex with consenting adults, and you know, party. I mean, that's you know, and what happens oh, in Miami Lord. stays in Miami. In this case, it. It didn't, but Tom Arnold inserted himself into this story, which was part of the absurdity I felt of it. You know, uh, well, and I think we, we because get in, he hates we get Trump. That. Yeah. He hates Trump. He, you know, he hates Christians. He, I mean, uh, so my question was how how did the sex scandal tie into January sixth? Well, I think you had a, a, a series of, of things. First, it starts with Jerry Falwell Jr. being the first evangelical leader or the leader from the evangelical world, to endorse Donald Trump, who is a twice-divorced playboy from New York City of, of all places. Okay, wait, um, you're, calling out, you're calling out playboy, twice-divorced, but you just said, come to Miami and have sex. So what's wait, good, well, what's no, good I, and what's I, bad? I, I'm confused. I'm not, I think he's I'm saying there's a contradiction not, Yeah, but still, yeah. come on. What, what I'm saying is that that would be an unusual thing, one would think, particularly, uh, I mean, for an evangelical endorsement, particularly in a primary with Ted Cruz, who yeah. is an evangelical, gotcha. whose father is a pastor, who believed that he was going to get Jerry Falwell. Uh, who visited Liberty and, University several times as, as well. Yeah. Um, he, he and, also, in, and in fact, 
Yeah, you're right. He announced his presidential campaign yeah. at convocation at Liberty University. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I, I think <laughs> I don't know what people on the left or the right would have said if Barack Obama showed up to the 2008 Democratic National Convention Who? with five children, <laughs> from, five children, well, with five children from three different women, yeah. like Donald Trump did. And so I, I think that it was a surprising endorsement. And when you start to dig around in in the events that led up to that endorsement, it bizarrely involves this throupling that happened down here with the one-time pool boy uh, in Miami. And so you can really draw a straight line from that endorsement to the outcome of the Trump administration. We, we've got to go to break. Um, we appreciate so much you joining us this morning, yes, Billy. Yes, absolutely. Um, and and I, I do appreciate the work that you did on this. Um, thank you again for coming on the show yeah. and, and sharing your thoughts and some behind the scenes of the documentary, God Forbid. It's on Hulu now. Billy Corbin joining us this morning on the Morning Jam. Thank you so much. Thanks, Billy. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Good job. So I think the feeling that I got from this is that the way trump got the endorsement Mm -hmm. was they dug up the dirt they discovered the story yeah and that's how it got the endorsement that was the feeling i had yeah trump and all his divorces you know what i'd like to have a president with 20 divorces and 30 children if they can do what trump did to get the country back on track again to me that doesn't matter i I want i want him to do the job yeah morals is important yeah. And past history is important. Respect for women and family and, and we'll, that we'll talk about it more. If you've got a, something to say, give us a call. 866-916-3776. The definition of the word jam. To pack something tightly. A machine seizing or becoming stuck. A sweet preserve made from fruit. A common sense radio talk show. The Morning Jam. The Morning Jam with Janet on the Virginia Talk Radio Network. Janet Rose, Marco Galbraith, hanging out with you on this Thursday. Our number is 866-916-3776. Don't say my name after the interview we just did. Marco, 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 (laughs) Marco Galbraith. (laughs) So we're talking about God Forbid. It is the documentary on Hulu. It came out on November 1st. We just interviewed Billy Corbin, who was the director uh, interesting interview. We're taking your calls now. We have Dale on the line. Is that right? Good morning. 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 Well, I just find it a typical hypocritical liberals that he goes on about Trump running as president, having had divorces. When we were told repeatedly, when some president called Bill Clinton had an affair with his subordinate, that oh, it's just sex and none of our business. Mm-hmm. Yeah, has nothing to do with his job. Right. Nothing to do with his job. Even though you know, it was in the Oval Office. Right. Out of our business. Right. While he was president, while she was his subordinate, but before you know, he ran for president. Trump had some divorces, not good, but so what? The, they, they don't. The double standard Democrats have is unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Look, I, I and everybody knows how I feel about Trump. I love Trump's policies. I think yeah. I think he did a good job. I did not love having a, a, a centerfold as a first lady. Mm-hmm. That's not the kind of first ladies I grew up looking up to. Uh, however, I think Melania Trump's very sweet and and was a great first lady. Um, and it's just a different world that we live in for sure. Uh, have you seen the documentary at all, 
No, and I'm no. probably not going to watch it. I got texted you earlier. I still do the free TV with a digital antenna. I get 35 channels, and that's good enough. For that's me, exactly for what I do. That's the same thing we okay. do. Okay. Yeah. All righty. So TV is still free for like you. I get things like MeTV and you know all the old shows, see the old westerns where people still had morals. Right. Oh, nice. Grit, the Grit Channel. The Grit, and then they would yeah. just like yeah, shoot the Grit Channel's yeah. great. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Well, we watched it because we wanted to be able to, you know, interview him and, right. and give him a fair well, just, shake on sure, it. That's like part of your job, but, you know, you're talking about Trump, but I also, how many times have I told you that? I said Trump might have been SOB. Yeah. He's our SOB, and that's what you need is presence. Someone who'll stand up to people like Kim Jong mentally ill in North Korea. He's doing this oh, stuff with missiles now. He wouldn't yeah. do that when Trump was president. Exactly. No. Trump stood up to him. I don't know that Russia would have uh, invaded Ukraine. I don't Trump think they would have. Well they, well, they didn't. I mean, right, people say right. what they would or wouldn't, right. but they didn't. He That's invaded right. Crimea when Obama was in, Obama was in there, and now he did it when Biden's in there. But for four years, he didn't do anything. Why? He was afraid of Trump. That's right. Well, and because he Trump also calmed down there. North Korea, yeah. too. Yeah. Well, he calmed down North Korea, calmed down Iran to some extent, took away their privileges that Obama gave him all that, how many hundreds of millions of dollars. I mean... You say they could or would or didn't, might not have. Well, they didn't. We've got the proof. They didn't do that stuff when Trump was president. Right. Because he stood up to them. He stood up to the bully and punched them back in the nose. Right. Yeah. Well, you can see Trump at these summits as well, where he'll come in and all the world leaders are standing around and he'll push his way up to the front. That's that's what we need. We need a president that's going to stand up for us and be firm and, and say, right. You when, know, when it's time to be firm exactly. and be humble when it's time to be humble. He struggled Absolutely. with the second part a little bit. He did. Just he a did. little bit. Right. And he, and he does. <laughs> he does. Right. And in these meetings, you see Biden and he walks around in the back like a little lost puppy dog, not knowing where to uh, go with his head oh my half, halfway and, down. And, and that makes us look, that's what I'm talking about. That makes us look weak. We if need, you go and look at some of the Australian news cast when yeah. they do stories oh, on america yeah. oh right. my word it's so embarrassing yeah, the rest though. Of the world. and, and right. that's what England the rest of the world thinks you, the rest of the world sees it and says it yeah right. we're like afraid to say it i don't understand yeah that we're either. like the emperor has no it clothes it makes us yeah. look vulnerable we're very vulnerable when mm-hmm. we're seen as weak yeah. hey we got to go to our uh, mm-hmm. our news right. break but we appreciate your call thanks all right thanks It's time for your Morning Jam weather, brought to you by WDBJ7. I'm meteorologist Brent Watts. Skies turned mostly sunny into the afternoon today. Highs around 70, clear skies at a low of 49 tonight. Starting out with sunshine Friday, more clouds late in the day with a high of 72. We'll turn mostly cloudy Friday night with lows at 56 degrees. Saturday and Sunday, partly to mostly cloudy, even some patchy drizzle and fog highs at 73. Currently, we have 51 degrees in uh, Salem, 49 in Danville, 53 in Roanoke, 47 in Lynchburg, 49 in Appomattox. So I received a message just a few minutes ago asking about um, an, an article that I talked about earlier in the week. If you did not see the article, uh, it was on Virginia's Most Dangerous Cities. Mm-hmm. Now, you know a lot about this, being in law enforcement, certainly being from an area that dealt with a lot of crime, Yeah, uh, for sure. 
this has been updated. Uh, Commonwealth of Virginia has, of course, many cities. The most dangerous ones were Portsmouth. That was number one. Yeah. South Boston was number two. Wow. That surprised me a little. Yeah, I don't hear a lot. I hear Danville, but not South Boston. Well, uh, Danville wasn't in the top ten. Roanoke was number three. Hmm. Galax, number four. Colonial Heights, then Marion, Petersburg, Norfolk, Richmond, and Newport News. Now, there were other cities in in the list Mm -hmm. that included uh, Vinton, Pulaski, Fredericksburg. Danville was on that also ran list. Chesapeake, Fredericksburg, Bristol. Um, And one of the things this article talked about, and I have posted this on our Facebook page, is what makes these cities dangerous. Uh, The number one thing was poverty. Yeah. That one of the main factors, people struggling to make ends meet, uh, they're more likely to turn to crime to survive, and it can create a cycle of poverty and crime that's difficult to get out of. Do you think that that's accurate yeah, yeah poverty and, and then i think it all goes back to the family structure is mm-hmm. these young boys and girls aren't being taught what they should do they're not being taught respect they're not being taught to to honor you know to respect somebody else's life do you think that part of it is people justify their behavior because they feel marginalized and they yeah. they feel like where i come the from. world owes it to yeah them. yeah yeah entitlement and maybe it's this is just my upbringing this is what we do and uh and it's yeah so they justify it they say a lack of resources available to residents uh including quality education health care safe housing good jobs i mean we certainly see I, i'm honestly and i probably shouldn't say this but i'm shocked lynchburg isn't on the list i'm very shocked. i am shocked but i'd like to know when they did the poll uh, I will give kudos to Danville Police Department. Oh, yeah. They've done a lot. So much. In the past six to eight months, they've really, really gotten aggressive on violent crime. And mm-hmm. and uh, it, it's you don't hear as much of them as you used to. Well, and I do think they've worked hard in Danville to improve their situation. Right. And to kind of um, get rid of some of the things that contribute to that cycle of poverty and crime. Right. Um, they really have taken a, a boots on the ground kind of approach mm-hmm. uh, there was a, that book that was written we interviewed the folks here on the air um the that talking about how one of the, the guy that used to be in charge of like the gangs and stuff mm-hmm. there came together worked with police that made a big difference right also economically they have made some changes in danville uh, just bringing in the casino right is giving people a sense of hope that's right and don't underestimate what hope can do. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Because when people are feeling hopeless and helpless, mm-hmm. that's when things can get real ugly real quick. And a lot of problems is, you know, it goes back, like I said, family structure. But a lot of problems, these these young kids have never had a positive real. And I talk about boys, men, because young men, because they're the ones primarily committing violent crimes. But right. they've never had a positive role model tell them, you don't have to be a gangster or a thug. You can be a doctor. You can be a welder and make lots of money. You can be something else other than the direction you're going now. And, and you so know, they don't know that. They don't know that they can be something better than just somebody out robbing people. It's so interesting when you, because a lot of times we rely on statistics mm-hmm. uh, to get our information. Right. And for a long time, there's been this myth that your serial killers were all 
middle-aged white men. Right. I mean, that was kind of the the thing. Well, now so many more statistics are coming out mm-hmm. talking about how that is is not true. They're finding all these prolific serial killers of color. Right. But the reason nobody knew about them was because they were working in marginalized areas, mm-hmm. and quite quite frankly, no one cared yeah. that these people were being lost and it was just marked as a normal street crime right you know when it wasn't right right so we're learning a lot more about that as we go along as well we have eric on the line good morning you're on the morning jam hey good morning i just uh i just picked up about 60 seconds ago on the conversation Mm -hmm. and um i don't know if you've already broached it or not but i have a very strong and probably scientifically uh stat-based theory that can be proven uh this sudden rise in violent crime i think you know these marginalized communities you refer to the only structure the only social construct a lot of these people had was school and when mm-hmm. they shut schools down for mm-hmm. two years or a year and a half they basically went feral there was they did whatever they wanted all day long with absolutely no social structure right and it collapsed pretty fast so right. That's, that that's a great observation. Yeah, yeah, kids need because kids. Because if you look at the age of the offenders, it's they're just they just got out of high school, you know, a year a year and a half ago. Right, and they didn't know whether they do they go online. Am I is this Monday, Wednesday, Friday? What day do I go to class? Where's my? I don't know what to do. It's and kids need structure, and that must have been a horrible, horrible time for them. And you're right, they're out running the streets. They're lost because they don't have that structure. People need supervision. They really do, whether they like it or not. Well, and not only that, children, whether they know it or not, crave it. That's right. That structure, discipline is security to a child. Right. I taught at a local. When you have have single parent homes, there was, it was just, it it doubles the effect. Right. Because there was nobody at home while these kids were supposed to be, excuse me, supposed to be at home doing online learning. Right. Yeah. Good point. Yeah, and 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 I have prime examples of of that happening right here locally. Thank you so much for calling, Eric. Really appreciate All it. All right. Have a great day. So, do my eyes deceive me, or do we have salty on the line? Wait a second. Wait a second. Not yet. Oh, wait. Wait. Hold on. Are you there? Salty, are you there? I'm here. Are you there? I I am are here. Are you there? I'm here. Okay. What what you got on your mind? Oh my gosh! Holy cow! <laughs> I, I've been, I've been cheated. I went ahead and did the absentee ballot because of my job, Janet, and they done messed me up. Oh no! What happened? Well, what the hell? Uh, <laughs> the, the the president said, uh, "Me and Delmont had a contest. We looked oh, at Lord. the transcript." To see how many times the president said the word democracy. And yeah. he come up with 48 times and I come up with 43. But, you know. This wasn't a drinking was game, was it? it? It Well, it was a little bit of drinking because our country's going down the toilet, Janet. <laughs> fast, the fast. The president said that democracy is on the ballot. He said democracy was on the ballot. And guess what, Janet? What? 
I got my absentee ballot, and democracy won't own the ballot. I'm getting shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lord. Oh, my goodness. I never saw the word, the word democracy once on my ballot. Well, it seems like they're they're so trying to pull out hell? all the stops. <laughs> well, <laughs> I don't think that's what they meant, Salty. I don't think. I just well, think he's trying to convince you to vote Democratic. Well, I I, I reckon I'm gonna have to now uh, get into work late and vote in person now because yeah. democracy ain't on the ballot. <laughs> and and let me tell you something, uh, old Joe last night, you know he was calling you know out uh, donald trump and my maga republicans mm. and and where's part of the democracy uh, going down the toilet according to him and as far as i'm concerned uh president biden uh uh people that live in glass houses shouldn't get stoned <laughs> <laughs> wow that those are you know what today is national cliche day and That's i right. think you just killed it right there that's right good job my friend well we, we miss you we're glad you're calling in country. well i'm just really upset about our democracy i guess if you read the definition of democracy we could be in a democracy years ago because the way a special interest is controlling everything mm-hmm. and it's not by the people that's what democracy is about that the people have real representation and last time i looked you know uh, if, if you're a pharmaceutical country uh, a company you can you can be in the room next to nancy and the rest of them uh, but you, if you're a regular folk they call you a crazy insurrection as if you try to do something it's just all upside down that's right. You're absolutely right. It is all upside Republic. down. Yep. Well, thank you so much for calling. We love thing, you much. What, well, can I say one more thing? Always, yes. Well, for that dummy that you had on an interview, for him to think that Jerry Sr. sat around in the room with a bunch of people doing tests on what would uh, grip and, and get traction like he threw out segregation how ridiculous that was for him to get that in there uh jerry didn't sit around well you know you can't do segregation because you know uh, martin luther king we can't be a segregationist church no more well if, if that's just a bunch of bunk i'm sorry but that was unfair when he slipped that one in there and 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 all that and i just you know jerry senior i met him a couple of times and he he was just a man, just like me and you, Marco. But he he did, I believe. I don't think we're ever going to have a story like we did with some of these other people out there dead and gone, finding out all this stuff about it. I think Jerry was a righteous man, and that's just what I'm going to say. Yep. Well, yep. and I think Jerry, a lot of people agree with yep, you. Yep, I think you're right there. All right, salty. I love you guys. We love you back. Thank thanks so much thanks for, calling for calling in today. Wow. He was worked up. He was fired up. He today. said the the he double hockey sticks and everything. Uh, that's I right. had to have my finger ready. I know. Normally uh-huh. that's not necessary cut, with salty. Cut Second the call. thing, I guess he doesn't think I'm a man because he just said. Ah! Like, <laughs> <laughs> oh lordy! And we're moving on. We'll that's be right. back that's for right. break. If you want to call in, we'd love to hear from you. Eight six six nine one six three seven seven six. You can talk about whatever you want to talk about. 
Um, God forbid on Hulu, the interview with Billy Corbin. Mm-hmm. We got a lot of people texting in on inflation, shrinkflation. Mm-hmm. And then coming up at 8 o'clock, we're going to have a special interview on the way talking about the new Uvalde yeah. uh, things that are that are coming out about the Uvalde shootings. So all that's coming up this morning on the Morning Jam. You make the toast. We'll bring the jam with Janet on the Virginia Talk Radio Network. Start your mornings on the right foot and listen to the Morning Jam. It is our lucky day. Got Marco Galbraith sitting in. That always makes the day a little bit better for sure. (laughs) And you guys have been killing it with the calls today. 866-916-3776. We appreciate you calling in and joining in the conversation. Right now, we have another favorite on the line, Miss Ruth Ann. Good morning. Good morning. Hi, Rose. Hi. Hello, hey, how are you, Ruth Ann? Fine, thank you. We've I'm missed you. Got... We have missed her. I, missed I was trying to get through, but, I, I, you know, so many people are calling, so, you know, you're supposed to stand in line and be polite. <laughs> but, like I said, I'm a little extra draw of job on the side. So, <laughs> what happened the other day, the day it rained so hard, I think that was Monday, mm-hmm. and I took the boat. And I sat outside and waited for him to come to the curb. Nobody came. I said, no, this is not going to happen. Because they had the copper stone down there at the train station. And I said, I'm going to walk it. So I did. I went to the door. And I stood in line. And this gentleman gave me a blue uh, piece of paper. I looked at it. And I said, well, I'm new here. This is the first time voting in Virginia. He said to me, he said, well, Here's the people you should vote for. Uh, where all wow. color is. I said, uh, I said, well, could you tell me who's Republican or Democrat? Well, I know, I know how, I know. Who, of course who, you who. do. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Where it's blackened on the side. He says, you know, here in, I said, this first time in Lynchburg is traditional. You vote Democrat. I said, well, hell no, I'm going to change that. <laughs> Good for you. Good for you. Excellent. You were messing with him. <laughs> he came to the wrong house. <laughs> yeah, I out in the rain, too, and with a walker, mm-hmm. you know, granny over to keep from getting, you know, melting and all that stuff. And I said, no, that don't make I said, why are you handing things out there saying that, that it's traditional? Mm-hmm. Wow. Well, now, Ruth Ann, you know why he made that assumption, right? Uh, I know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I, and I, like I said, I didn't have an umbrella, you know. And, you know, when you talk to sage people, you, you, you don't know what's going to come out of their mind. And, you know, <laughs> That's I right. That's right. So when uh, he told me that, the H word, sorry folks out there, but it, it worked in the, what I was saying. Yeah. But anyway, I did my voting and they asked me, did I want a sticker? I said, yeah, I'll take a sticker. And I got to think, and I have this lovely pocketbook that I put together a couple of years ago. It's with truck, you know. I don't know if I come out the door with it on over here because it's just me alone in this maze. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. But it's listening because it helps me realize that, you know what, I'm the luckiest person around because I can say that I still have a job. Mm-hmm. I'm still paying my taxes on my old house and everything. And my credit is 
Oh, there you go. Very good. Good. Thank good you. you. Thank you for calling well, in. We appreciate it, it so like much. And salty, darling. You got my telephone number. You can call me just like you call Rose, you know. <laughs> y'all don't y'all don't be headed to Miami now. Stay away That's from right. That. Stay away from Miami. We don't need salty and, and you guys down there. Don't do right. it. Don't do we it. We don't need Miami leading salty astray. That's right. With Ruth with Ruth Ann. <laughs> oh goodness. <laughs> All right, we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Ruthann. <laughs> oh, I love her so much. Yeah, she's great. So she she mentioned that shenanigans going on. Yeah. I also heard from a listener yesterday from the South Side, who also has um, uh, he he's in a wheelchair. Yeah, and he said that he had put out a um, piece of mail because it's on his front porch, mm-hmm. and he said it was for something for. Humana was some type of survey, but he said it looked just like the voter yeah. that, that you sent in. Yeah. And he said he put it out at eight o'clock and someone came up on his porch, not the post office, mm-hmm. and took that. Wow. And he goes, I, Janet, I don't know, but something was not right yeah, yeah. with that situation. They've and already... he said, I'm gonna vote in person. I'm mm-hmm. not gonna I'm not gonna say it's much harder for him right. to get out and do that. Yeah. But he really thinks that yeah. they thought that they were getting his his vote. His vote there, they're Craziness. very very sneaky. Mm-hmm. And that's that was on the south side. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, so we've been talking about gas prices. Of course, we just had another you know hike right with the Fed uh, trying to to get things under control. Top economists are predicting that uh, inflation will continue into next year. They still won't call it a full-blown recession, but oh my goodness, mm-hmm. if you go to buy gas or Anything. milk or yeah. airlines mm-hmm. or, I mean, I've looked at a couple of, of gifts that I bought last year, right? and the very same gift, the, the increase has mm-hmm. just been unbelievable, Right. the difference in the cost. We've had people texting in talking about some specific things, um, like someone was saying Jiffy Cornbread, that used to be like 50 cents yeah and now it's uh two dollars wow for a little tiny box that's crazy i haven't seen that but i'm a cornbread purist so yeah yeah uh we've got charles on the line from danville looks like good morning charles welcome to the morning jam uh good morning uh have either of you seen the documentary 2000 mules yes okay and you know the numbers uh that that actually covered only 4% of the country. Mm, yeah. And I'm, basically, that that same fraud system is probably loose on the rest of the country. They just simply couldn't afford to buy the entire ping data. Mm-hmm. But out of 4% of the country, 56,000 people were tracked going to multiple boxes. That's amazing. And that's on video footage, too. Okay. That's, that's not word of mouth or... Or rumor, they've got that documented on a lot of that's on surveillance footage, video. Yeah, yeah. The leftist claim has been totally debunked, and they're just lying. Yeah. And how have they debunked it? Right. I mean, how have they debunked exactly. it? Exactly. They just say it's they, wrong, they, and that's debunked. Uh, they, well, you're sitting up there with your yeah. January sixth committee, right. and they're not doing anything. They want to talk about how democracy is at stake. Right. You really yeah. do need to confirm or deny mm-hmm. this legitimately. Yeah. yeah. Can I say something about the schools, too? Sure. 
you were talking earlier about the, uh, you know, schools being closed. Mm-hmm. Well, currently in the Danville system, and this is purely hearsay from a teacher who quit last year. And by the way, the Danville school system lost 157 teachers last year. Wow. Oh my goodness. And most wow. of them claimed because they weren't getting any support from the, the, the administration in the, the schools. Um, for example, I talked. I literally talked to a teacher face to face that quit last year and went somewhere else, and they said that uh, they sent a, t- a kid to to the office for dropping f bombs in class, and was told that that was part of their culture, and therefore nothing happened to them. How are how are we going to keep good teachers who cannot even keep civility? into their classrooms mm-hmm. because it may be a part of that child's culture but i can tell you it's not a part of mine Mm-mm. it's not a part of the culture right. and that's demeaning and the culture certain- that's that's not fair to say that about the culture right you fix the problem that's the problem is i mean we, i'm assuming they they decided that because of the child's color yeah yeah, yeah. but that's not their culture right i, I would be not offended. not everybody i'd be very offended if i was that culture and somebody said that about my yeah. no well, yes. God so bless you, sir. Kids don't have any consequences. Right. And You're with right. No consequences. They just assume they, that same system applies to them no matter what they're doing. So, of course, they're going to go out and do crime because, hey, they've learned that they can act up and there is no consequence. Yep. Yeah. No responsibility. we got to go to break, but we thank you so much for joining us this morning. Yeah, We've got another does. interview coming up here very shortly. Talking about the Uvalde and the latest developments there here on the Morning Jam. I'm Janet Rose. Marco Galbraith sitting in today. We're glad you're along as well. Yep. You're listening to the Virginia Talk Radio Network, 100.9 WIQO Forest and 106.3 WMNA-FM Greta Danville.